Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome to the Local Church, the perfect place for imperfect people. I'm Eric, I'm one of the pastors here. Hello to all of our church family at Everglades Correctional and everyone who's at home right now. I'm grateful for all of you for being here at our 9 a.m. service, for enduring the weather to hear God's words. Uh, today, as we conclude our teaching series through the book of Proverbs, talking about wisdom and foolishness, I want to talk about what Proverbs probably talks about the most. One of the most important topics in the book of Proverbs, in God's word himself, in fact, Jesus talked about this more than any other thing. Today, I wanna talk about wealth. Say wealth. Say it one more time. Now, let, let me say this as we begin today. Let me get this out of the way. There's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with spending money. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. Wealth is not a bad or sinful thing. And for those of you who may not have taken like an intro to economics course, here's what wealth is at its most basic level. Wealth is when production exceeds consumption. Do you understand that? When you make more than you use, when you have more after you've used what you needed, that's what wealth is. And if that's the basic definition of wealth, who doesn't want that, honestly? Like, it doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. It doesn't matter what you believe about uh, uh, capitalism in this country. If you had wealth, you wouldn't be angry, would you? You wouldn't, don't lie. A few weeks ago, someone won $2 billion. And I know most people in this room, you talked about what you would do if you won that, right? Turn to the person next to you, tell them what you would do if you had $2 billion. Let them know right now. Some of you, you're in church and you're lying. I would give it all to the church. Well, hey, if you said in church, now God's gonna hold you to that. You shouldn't have lied. No. All that we can do with what is extra, there's so much that can be done with what is extra, and that is wealth. When production exceeds consumption, there's so much more that we can do. And wealth, according to Proverbs, generally, the, bu- the book of Proverbs says it's generally easier to have wealth than it is to be poor. Now, I know the great theologian Biggie Small said, mo money, mo problems, but for people who, who do experience seasons of poverty, you know that no money equals mo problems, right? Proverbs says that generally it's a lot easier to have wealth, to be wealthy, than it is to be poor. Proverbs 10, 15. It says a rich man's wealth is his strong city. It's it's his strength. It's his support. It's his covering. It's his consistency. But the poverty of the poor is their ruin. Now, I want to make this clear. Having wealth can lead to foolish decisions, This is why it needs to be stewarded well. 
If it's not stewarded well, then it can lead to selfishness. It can lead to sin. And this is why we're talking about this today, because we need wisdom when it comes to our wealth. We've been talking about this for the past several weeks. Without wisdom, we get in the wrong relationships. We say dumb things. We freak out in front of people. We act foolish. But when it comes to wealth, without wisdom, we waste our resources. We withhold our resources from doing well. We, we, we do wrong without wisdom when it comes to our wealth. In fact, for this very reason, a lot of people in the New Testament that, that were considered wealthy were, were seen in, in a negative light. We know the story of the rich young ruler who, who Jesus himself said that, that his wealth was a hindrance for him to enter the kingdom of God. Mark 10, 23, Jesus looked around, said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus was so serious about this, he wanted to get this point across that he said it again in the very next verse. Why would God say something so shocking? Because he wanted us to understand that, that when we are not wise with what God has given us, when we are not wise with our wealth, rich people tend to trust more in their riches than they do in their God. This is why we need wisdom, amen? So today, as we conclude this teaching series, Wise Dumb, where we're talking about wisdom and foolishness, here's what I've titled today's teaching. What to do with what we have. I wanna talk about what to do with what we have. Proverbs 3.14, it says this, for wisdom is more profitable than silver and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is far more important than wealth. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire. Think about what you want in this world. Think about what you want from, from Santa this Christmas. Nothing can compare with wisdom. Verse 16, she offers you long life, say long life, long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. So here's the first big idea I want you to understand today. Write this down in your notes. Growing in godly wisdom often brings worldly wealth. Growing in godly wisdom, when we have godly wisdom, oftentimes we, we grow in our worldly wealth. And, and, and remember, we, we said this several weeks ago, Proverbs, they are not promises from God. We can't read Proverbs and say, if we do this, this is what's gonna happen. God says so, it's a promise. Some of them are promises, but, but most of them are principles. And so this idea of of, of Wealth and stewarding it well with godly wisdom, it is a principle. Like if you have wisdom, you're more often in life to make it and to make more wealth. And the reason why is because when you have wisdom, you have understanding of how wealth works. You understand what is a wise investment and what is a foolish investment and you know how to steward it well. So when it comes to Proverbs, it says that practically, wealth is often the result of hard work. Say hard work. This is what Proverbs says. Proverbs 10.4. It says, a slack hand causes poverty. Someone who isn't faithful. Someone who doesn't work with what God has given them. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. 
Meaning if you work faithfully, oftentimes you will produce more than you consume, right? If you aren't lazy, you'll find yourself with more opportunities to move up and to make more. And some of you are like, wow, it seems so simple. But, but, but it's, it's really not that simple. It's not as black and white as we think it is. It's not as simple as if you are righteous, you'll be wealthy. Proverbs also says that wealth can be the result not of hard work, but of wickedness. Proverbs eleven eighteen 18, it says, the wicked earns deceptive wages. They lie, they cheat, they scheme, and they're still earning. But the one who sows righteousness will get a sure reward. Proverbs 21, 6, it says, the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor, and it's a snare of death. It's pointless, and it will trap you. It will take your life. So some people, they experience wealth not because they're righteous, but because they're dishonest. Not because they work hard, but because they scheme more. Because they play office politics. Because they cheat and break and bend the rules. Because they push other people down to get to the top. And that, that familiar, that's not wisdom. That's not being shrewd. That's being selfish, and that is sinful. And I know we have some people here, and you would say, man, but that's just part of the game. You gotta do those things to get more money. But the goal, the goal in life is not to get more money. The goal today is to not get rich. The goal is to get godly wisdom. But we're so concerned in this country to acquire more wealth. God is more concerned with growing us in wisdom. And so Proverbs 23, 4, it says this, do not toil to acquire wealth. Don't work so hard. Don't be so consumed with acquiring wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. We live in a time in a culture where we're discipled more by materialism and goods rather than God. We're always trying to get more. We, we, we don't think that what we have is, is ever enough. And so Proverbs comes along and Proverbs gives us wisdom and Proverbs teaches us, don't live your life to make more money. It's fleeting. But make money in this life so, so you can live. So you can live this abundant, overflowing life that he has for you. There's a difference in that. But yet, too many of us, we know people who, who feel lost. They, 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 they're just constantly chasing after wealth and resources. And without it, they feel lost. Proverbs 21, 17. This is America's life verse. This may be your life verse and you don't even know it. Here's what it says. It says, whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. And he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Again, this feels like America's life verse. Because especially around this season of Thanksgiving, we don't give a whole lot of thanks. We wanna get a whole lot of stuff we want to amass wealth and we say, I need this. I got to have it. 
And so we go out and we purchase all of these things in excess with money that we don't have. We put them on credit cards and and have unfathomable interest rates and we push ourselves more and more into debt even though we have more and more stuff. It's Black Friday. I have to have it. Honey, look what I got. It was on sale. We saved money. No, you spent money. You may not have spent retail, but you spent money. And we put ourselves into debt. I want you to understand, having a whole lot of stuff isn't wealth. Owning a whole lot of goods isn't being rich, and it's foolish. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man, He who loves wine and oil, they won't be rich. So Proverbs tells us that that poverty, a lot of poverty that we see is, is the result of foolish living like this. Proverbs 13, 18, it continues, poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instructions, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. And some of you hear that and you're saying, this is absolutely true. Preach it, Eric. Poor people are foolish. They need to listen to this. They need to get a financial advisor. They have to listen to prudent wisdom about resources. Then they'll get out of that. Again, it's not that simple. Proverbs 12, 23, this book of wisdom also shares this. It says, a poor person's farm may produce much food. They have wealth. Their production is exceeding their consumption, but what? Injustice sweeps it away. Proverbs says that there are some people who are poor, but yet they are righteous. They work hard and they're honest, yet other people oppress them. Other people don't give them fair wages. Other people discriminate against them based off of their geography or their gender or their race. And it's not that they're foolish and that's why they're poor. It could be that they're poor because of injustice, because of someone else's foolishness upon them. Proverbs twenty-two sixteen: whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth will only come to nothing. We know that when a person cheats their way to the top, oftentimes the injustices push down to people beneath them who are poor and powerless. So I want us to understand as as clear as, as God's word is that wisdom brings wealth and that wealth is generally easier than not having we can't see it so black and white. This isn't simply the wise are wealthy and the foolish are poor. Jesus himself was poor. He said, I don't, I don't even have a home or a place to lay my head. Jesus' disciples and his followers, for the most part in the worldly sense, were poor, but yet they were rich in spiritual wisdom. Jesus was poor, but yet he was still called the wisdom of God. So today isn't about being rich or poor. There's no shame in being rich, and there's no shame in being poor. 
Today is about what do we do with what we have? What do we do with what God has given us? See, as followers of Jesus, it's not just wise to be, uh, it's not just smart, it's not just important to be wise about money. It's, it's also important to be wise with our money. As much or as little as we may have, we need to be wise about our money as well. And so what I wanna do in the remainder of the time is, is, is I wanna share two things that the word of God shows us, that Proverbs teaches us and the word of God supports in its entirety of what we can do to be wise with what we have. Here's the first big idea that I want you to write down with this. The wise honor God, say honor God. The wise honor God with their wealth. Proverbs 3.9 says it clearly. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits, say first fruits, the first fruits of all your produce. Now, this is the man, Solomon, who said in verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he's gonna do what? He's gonna direct your path. He's gonna make it straight. The same wisdom that spoke verse five is the same wisdom that he's speaking in verse nine. He says to honor God with our wealth. That word honor, it means to show a high regard or high respect and how we honor God with our wealth. What that means is that the activity of what we have shows appreciation that we have it. Do you understand that? To honor God with our wealth means that what we have and what we do with what we have shows appreciation to God who has given it to us. God, I would not have this if it weren't for you. Some of you are like, well, I worked really hard. I got a lot of degrees to get where I am today. That wasn't God. Who gave me the intellect and the acumen to even accomplish any of that? Well, I worked really hard with my hands. My, my, my fingers are callous and my knuckles are numb from all the hard labor that I've done. But who gave you the ability of your limbs to begin with? Everything belongs to God. Psalm 24 reminds us that the earth is the Lord's and everything inside of it is his. So we're to honor him with what we have because he's given it to us. Now, why in a book about wisdom would the writer say to honor God with our wealth? What's God gonna do with it? Does God have an electricity bill? So you have to pay the bills in heaven and keep the AC on for the angels? Does God need gas money? Because I mean, today, that would be a whole lot. Woo! Man, gas is high, God, I'm sorry. Why would, would God want us to honor him with our wealth? What is he gonna do with it? It's not for him. It's for us. It's wise. Why is it wise? Here's why. Proverbs 3.10. It says, then your barns, say barns. How many here have barns? All of us do. You'll find that in a moment. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats, say vats. Anyone here have a vat? Yes. All should raise their hand as well. It'll make sense in a moment. And your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, to talk about this principle in Proverbs and this promise in God's word, I have to go back to the book of Malachi. 
That's the last book of the Old Testament. It's the last thing that God said to his people before what we consider the silent years in scripture. What are the silent years? A series of hundreds of years where God was not written or recorded on record to have said anything through his prophets. Hundreds of years later, he speaks again through this prophet named John the baptizer. And so this is the last thing that he said for centuries. I think it's safe to assume that the book of Malachi is pretty important, yes? Malachi chapter one, here's what God says. He says, a son honors, say honors. We're talking about honoring God with our wealth. A son honors his father, a slave his master. If I'm a father, God says, he asks, where is my honor? We're talking about honoring God. He's saying, you honor me with your lips. You you sing to me all these songs of worship, but your life doesn't show any honor. Your actions with what you have doesn't show that I am honored. And if I am a master, in verse six, where's my fear? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. These people are not wise because they are not showing a respect to their God and creator. Where's my fear, says the Lord of hosts? To you, who? Who? He goes from the the laity to the leadership. He goes from from the pews to the pulpit. Oh, priests who despise my name. He's talking to to people like me, pastors. You've despised my name, preacher. Well, Well, how did we do that? The priests are asking, have we despised your name? Verse seven, by offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. By allowing these dishonorable sacrifices to me. The priests were allowing people to dishonor God in this area by not giving back to God with what he had given them. Let me make this very clear. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the first fruits that we read in Proverbs. I'm talking about what Malachi speaks about in its entirety, the tithe. The first 10% of what God has given us to be given back to him. That's what Malachi is mostly about. It's a rebuke to people like me, priests and pastors for dishonoring God and allowing the people to dishonor God by by giving God what is left over or by taking what belongs to God and spending it foolishly on their egos and their logos and their personalities, using it for their own benefit. Some of you guys, you're, you're real tense right now. And I understand, listen, it's difficult to talk about or to listen to teachings about tithing in church. I know that because I've been there before. I know that it's a a seemingly sensitive subject to, to a lot of people in churches because at some point in their life they've experienced or they heard someone who operated with without integrity a foolish pastor or, or ministry that has taken the resources that people have given to God and spending it foolishly on Bentleys and private jets and multiple homes and all sorts of crazy stuff. And so when we hear of things like that, we, we, we wrongfully assume that just because someone operated at some point out of 
dishonesty that this is the operation of all people, that all pastors are charlatans and cheats and crooks. Might I challenge you that maybe sometimes, oftentimes in the church, that experience that you've seen or heard about is just an excuse for your disobedience? To not trust God with every part of your life, to withhold what he owns and not honor him, so these priests, they, they weren't allowing God's people to see his blessing over their life because they wouldn't tell them the honest truth about this area of their life. And again, today is not about getting rich. You're not gonna hear from me, give to God, give to the church, and you're gonna get rich. That's not in scripture, that is a lie. That would be like me manipulating God's word for my own gain. You'll never hear that here. But this is about getting wise, amen? So I'm just gonna say it, okay? He says, you've defiled food on my altar. They say, have we defiled you? Malachi 1.8. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame and sick, is that not evil, says God? Present that to your governor. Present that to Ron DeSantis. See if he will accept it or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. He's saying, you dishonored me because you give me these blind goats that are bumping into other goats or running off into ravines. And you know that you can't sell this at the market for a premium, so you give me that one. You give me what's left over and then you take care of yourself at the market. The market gets your best, but I get what's left over. He says, is that honor? Would you do that to someone you honored? Would you do that to the governor? Would they, would they be pleased with you? Would they accept you? He says, that's not honor. Back to Proverbs, he says to honor the Lord with your wealth. And then he says, with the first fruits of your crops. Now, th this was not like our culture today. This was an agrarian society. A lot of these people had barns. They were farmers. And so their resources, their wealth was in their animals and in their crops. And God is saying, I want you to honor me with the first fruits. What comes up first? I want you to trust me with that and give that to me. God says, everything that, that you have belongs to me, but, but will you honor me with the first portion to serve me and to serve my purposes? And we see this principle all throughout God's words. We see in the Garden of Eden, he says, you can have whatever you want, but this tree, this one, this one tree, this is mine. Don't touch it. He says, I've given you seven days, six of those days, do what you want, have fun, work hard, but one of those days, I want you to honor me with it. I want you to rest. I want you to experience my, my peace on that day. He says, I've given you talents. I've given you intellect. And so many people, they benefit from that. But what about me? Where's my honor? 
He says, if we honor him with our wealth, it is wise. And here's why it's wise for us. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe, say tithe, the first fruit into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a what? A blessing, not simple provision, but a blessing until there is no more need. This is the only time in all of scripture where God says, test me on this. I want you to see how good I am. I want you to know that you can trust me in this area. So test me and give back to me the first portion of what I've given to you and see if I will not simply provide, but pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. Now we go back to Proverbs. Proverbs 3.10, it says, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats be bursting with wine. Then that insinuates a condition. If you do this, then this will happen. If you honor me with your wealth and your first fruits that I have given to you, then your barns will be filled with plenty. And that right there, church, that is physical substance. He's saying that everything you need physically in this life will be taken care of, that you will always be provided for. Doesn't mean you'll always have excess. Doesn't mean you'll win the lottery. Doesn't mean you'll drive a new car every single year. But it means that everything you need in this life, he will provide for you physically. I want you to understand that, that this is not simply the mercy of God. Don't confuse God's mercy with his blessing. There are a lot of people who don't operate by this principle that still have what they need in this life. That's because of God's mercy. But what God wants to do, God wants us to move from a mindset of just simply having mercy to blessing. God wants to, to move us to blessing. He says, your barns will be filled with plenty. And then he says this. He says, your vats will be filled with wine. This is why this is wise, because some of your barns are filled. Some of your bank accounts have some commas in it. Some of you, you have excess property and resources. Your barns may be filled, but your vats are empty. What does that mean? Your vats are not filled with wine. This word wine here, as it is in so many other places in all of scripture, is more than just physical fruit of a vine. It's representative of something spiritual. It's representative of the joy and the celebration that his Holy Spirit gives to us. He says, some of your barns are full of stuff, but, but, but you don't have wine in your vats. Some of you, you, you have a home. You have a house that you live in, but, but only God can make it a home, right? Right? You have a bed, but you don't have real rest. You're traveling to all these exotic destinations, but you don't have peace in your life. It's not just the physical that God blesses us with. It's the spiritual. It's the emotional. 
This is his blessing upon us, that he gives us everything we need physically and he takes care of everything we need emotionally and spiritually as well. Some of us here, some of us at home, your barns are full, but your vats have no wine. And it's not because you have stuff. You don't have joy because your stuff has you. It's your God. And if you don't have more of it, you feel like you're not connected. And if you don't have more of it, you you feel like you don't have value. And you're not listening to the true God who made you and knows you and loves you. You're just basing your value on the stuff that you have. So your barns may be full, but you have no wine in your vats. You have no joy in your life because your stuff has you. And this is why it's wise to honor God with our wealth. Because it frees us from the grip of greed in our life. When we give back to God, it sets us free from from this burden that consumerism has engulfed us with. And and we realize that, that, man, when I give back to God, I still have everything that I need. I have more peace of giving to God than I do of paying the IRS man. Of even putting money in the volatile markets. He gives us peace. He gives us joy because we realize that he's the ultimate source of everything that we need. I know it's quiet today, but I'll tell you what, it's not difficult to talk about giving to God to people who give to God. Because people who give to God, they, they know, they've already experienced that we can't outgive them. Amen? Amen? Is there anyone here who knows that the Lord is their shepherd and they have everything that they need in Him? Amen? Amen. He wants to move us from mercy to blessing. He wants to, to meet our every need physically and emotionally. That's what happens when we honor God with our wealth, and that is wise. And as God continues to bless, here's what the wise continue to do. The second thing, real quick. The wise help the poor with what they have. The wise honor God with their wealth, and the wise help the poor with what they have. Listen, this teaching isn't about getting rich, and this teaching isn't about you giving to the church. But what the word of God is crystal clear about is what we do with our wealth, what we do with what we have, whether it's a little or it's a lot. And the Bible says we are to take care of the poor, to help those in poverty. Solomon, throughout this letter to his son, He gives this command. He says, you are to take care of the poor. And he doesn't qualify it. He doesn't say, if they come to your church, if they go through some sort of financial class, if they are for you. No, he says, son, you have a responsibility and wisdom calls out to you to take care of those who are in need, whether they are poor emotionally, spiritually, or financially, or to help them. Let me just read several passages. Let me let the word of God speak. Proverbs 3, 27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow, I'll give it, when you have it within you. Proverbs 14, 21, whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he 
Blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Proverbs 13, 14, 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. It's not honoring to God, but he who's generous to the needy. This is honoring to God with our wealth. Proverbs 17, 5. Whoever mocks the poor. And they're just foolish. They just don't get it. They're animals. Insults his maker. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Proverbs 21, 13. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out. This is scary. And not be answered. Proverbs 29, 7. A righteous man knows the rights of the poor, but a wicked man doesn't understand such knowledge. He doesn't uh, understand. He, he doesn't consume himself with caring for those in need. Proverbs 31, 9. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And just in case you think this is just something in Proverbs, this is something about all of Scripture. Listen to what Jesus himself said, Luke 12, 33. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says it's wise to help the poor and needy because it's good for your hearts. And, and when you do so, it's wise because you're not investing in markets that will crash. You're not investing in an economy that is volatile where the Fed is gonna raise the rate again. You're investing in his kingdom where moth and rust don't destroy and markets and leaders do not crash it. 1 John 3.17, it says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, anyone who is wealthy and has excess and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? How can you see people who are suffering and change the channel and say, oh, it's bad for them. And not do anything. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Listen, it's loving to see needs. But if all we do is talk about the needs that we see and we do nothing to help those needs, that is foolishness. God, what are you teaching me? What do you want me to do about it. The wise, they do something with what they have. They help the poor and needy with it. So what does that mean, practically? Do, do we just hand out money to every panhandler on the corners? Do, do we give to the ASCPA with, you know, the Sarah McLaughlin sad songs? Like, what are we supposed to do? You know, we've said this every single week that if we need wisdom, God's word says, ask for it. And he's gonna give it to us. And I sense and I see that we've been growing in wisdom here at the local church, but the same is true today. Ask God, Lord, what would you have me do? You know my context. You know all the commas in my account or the lack thereof. What do you want me to do? And I just believe, because it's a promise in God's word, that when we ask him, he'll answer. He'll give us wisdom. And when he puts on our heart what to do, do it. 
Obey him. That's wise. That'll make a difference. Let me tell you what we as a church collectively have asked God and he's led us to do. Galatians 6, 7, final passage. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. We can't trick him. He knows everything. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. So many of us were asking for a blessing to rain down upon us when we haven't sowed the seeds required for it. For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. You invest while you're here in yourself. When you're dead, you can't take it with you. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Verse nine, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then verse 10, as we have the opportunity, as we have breath, as we have something in our hands, let us do good to who? To who? Everyone. Those on the other side, those we don't agree with, those who we think, man, you are lazy. And now you're in this situation. You deserve it. See you later. To everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. Every year in November and December, giving goes up in this church. It's the end of the year. People get bonuses. People are in a, in a happy, jolly mood. And so the giving goes up in the months of November and December. And for those of you who give generously here, I wanna say thank you. Thank you so much for what you do, for partnering with us to, to create the perfect place for imperfect people. Some of you feel like you don't give much, but I'm telling you, it goes a long way. You're saying, I don't have wealth, but, but I give to God what I have. And like Jesus said, that, that, that widow, her two mites, because of the posture of her heart, was worth more than everything else that those who were wealthy gave. Some of you, 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 you've grown up and you've seen the lavishness of some houses of worship and you've seen the excess being used unwisely. And you're saying, well, my 20 bucks, that, that, that doesn't go a long way. Why should I even give? Because the church has lights and they have a screen and we do a lot of stuff. And I hear all the, vid I see all the videos and I hear all the stories of all that we're able to do. So my 20, listen, does more than you know. It helps raise up the next generation. It helps train our team. It helps point people to Jesus. Thank you for that. And if you've been part of this church family for any time, you know that uh, in the month of December, as we celebrate Jesus's birthday and we give all these gifts to other people, we wanna bring the focus back in and say, what gift are we giving to Jesus? So every year we, we collect this offering called our greatest gift. And in years past, we've used that to help build the ministry here. Last year, we, we, we made an adjustment. We said, we're gonna take 10% of that greatest gift offering and we're gonna use it to bless local uh, um, ministries and organizations that we partner with here. We're gonna use another 10% to, to bless nationwide church planning efforts that we're a part of. And we're gonna use another 10% for a total of 30% of this greatest gift offering to bless our local missions partner and vapor ministries and other missionaries that we send out to support them. But as we've been thinking about what God has called us to do, we've been thinking about what makes the most sense for us as a local church. We've decided that starting this month and going forward, our greatest gift offering, 100% of it, 
is gonna go to fund three specific areas, three of the biggest needs in our community as it aligns with scripture and what God has called us to do. Part of that is gonna go to widows and orphans here in our local community. And in modern times, that means single parents. It means foster families and families on the fringe. It means strengthening our ties to great organizations like Four Kids that help put children into homes where they are loved. Partnering and continue to partner with Hope Women's Center that gives these moms who feel like they don't have an option love and support. And coming alongside single parents in our church familia and in our local community. The second area where this money's gonna go to going forward is the poor and the underserved. Because our county, it's not immune to hardship and trauma that comes with poverty. So partnering with, with established organizations and authorities and our local government, like we've been doing with the city of Davie and the police department and feeding our community, we're gonna meet real needs and improve the lives of the community around us. And the third area, the third biggest need in our local community that God has called us to when we sought him, Lord, what would you have us do? Is for counseling and support. With a looming mental health crisis and an ungodly rise in anxiety and depression. People have real needs that require real help. So we're gonna continue to expand our efforts to provide free biblical counseling here at the local church and partner with other areas for therapy. Also, we're gonna expand our counseling and support to establish support for those who are battling addictions. Church for me, I just believe in 2023, it's gonna be a year of freedom for us. That we're gonna see a move of God and his blessing upon this church and through this church like never before when we are generous to him. But we don't have to wait until next year. It can start today. It can start right here with us. As we get ready for a, a week of giving thanks and celebrating what we have. And as we look forward to the month of December, where we're gonna deck the halls and we're gonna celebrate our Christ who has come. I wanna encourage us to honor God with your wealth, to honor God with what you have. It's wise. And when we do, God gives to us everything that we need physically and emotionally. And when we do, other people get set free as well. 2022 has been our year of release. And so would you stand up one final time this year? And would you just ask the Lord, what would you have me do? That this would be a time of release, releasing of the biggest idol that so many of us have in our lives, riches and wealth, and that God would give us wisdom as we pray. Let me bless us right now. Father, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your conviction, for your word, for your truth that sets free. And Lord, we know that everything we have comes from you. Sorry for the times where we thought it was all about us, but God, we repent right now, and we're grateful for the breath in our lungs. We're grateful for this roof over our heads, for the family we have, for a church family that comes alongside us to live in sunny South Florida, for the freedoms we get to experience 
in this country, God. We're so grateful that you have given us all things to provide for us, Lord, and we want to honor you. We want to let you know that, that, that you are the most important, that you are everything, God. So giving you all of who we are, that's the greatest gift that we can offer. I pray that faith would rise up, that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit, and that we would obey the, the leading of generosity. And as we do so, that your blessing would pour upon this church, that every Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.